morning? Oh, yeah. Tyler got you guys warmed up. I hear you. He had to shame you a little bit, but it's all good. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. So excited that you're here today. If you're here in person or you're here online, uh, we're just thrilled that you're here, especially if it's your first time. We hope you make yourself right at home. Uh, We exist to invest into you and to invite you into a growing relationship with Jesus. And I believe this new series we're starting today is going to do just that. Today, I want to talk with you about love stories. All right. Hopefully our set here is reminding you of first dates, right? When things first started, when the sparks were just flying. But that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about love stories. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about God's vision for your love story. And I want to start this way. I want to ask you four questions. Um, And I want you to be thinking about these over the next month as we go through this. But I want you to think about, number one, where are you in your love story? How did you get there? Where do you want to go from here? And do you know how to get there? Where are you? How did you get there? Where do you want to be? And do you know how to get there? We're going to be jumping into Genesis. We're going to be looking at Adam and Eve, which is just kind of cliche for the same month as Valentine's Day and talking about relationships, love, marriage, all those things. But just so you know, this series is about love and relationships. And we're going to talk a lot about marriage, but this series is applicable whether you're single, married, divorced, remarried, thinking about trying again, whatever it is. But I believe that in this series, you're going to hear what God's vision is for love in a way that is beneficial for you, but also with others as you share it with them and as you grow in your understanding of this abundant life that we can have when we follow God's vision for our life. Now, guys, let me just say right here, this is free right up front at the beginning of the message. It might be wise tomorrow to go ahead and schedule a certain kind of delivery or make a certain kind of reservation. Like right now, if you want to, go ahead and put a reminder in your phone. All right, that would be helpful, that'd be good. Um, As we were building this this week, I thought about Megan and I's first date. I keep these, these are right in my uh, nightstand, but I grabbed these before I walked out today. These are the tickets to our first date. Megs and I went to uh, a Sand Nats game. Before they were the Bananas, they were the Sand Nats. And we were actually talking about that the other night. We wanted a date, down, a date downtown, and we were talking about what that night was like and how we felt and you know, and we asked each other the question, do you remember what you were wearing? I remember what you were wearing. Do you remember what I was wearing? That type of thing. And then we started talking about the journey that we've had together, you know, the good times and the bad, the ups and downs, the hard times, the times that we've hurt each other, had to forgive each other, the times that other people hurt us and we had to help each other process it, the times that we didn't feel like we could work through something, times that decisions were easy, times that decisions were hard. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about all this month. We're going to talk about the times when we fell in love, the times when we wanted to quit, the times when we couldn't seem to reconcile, and the times when we fall in love again. So there's a lot this month that I think is going to be helpful for all of us to hear and to learn from God's word. And obviously we sang a Taylor Swift song to start off today. And the reason why is because, man, it's just natural to sing songs about love, right? We sing songs about love, the good and the bad. I mean, you guys know you do it. When you're riding down the road, you'll sing along with a song that makes you cry. It brings up not only good feelings, but bad feelings. I mean, all the feels, 
you'll just go ahead and dive into all the feels if it's a song about your love story. And we're going to hear some different types of songs through this month that I think will remind us of those moments that we've had, those events in our love story that have kind of shaped the way we think about love. And my hope and my goal this month, and I think all of our goal as a church as we've been preparing for this series is that we would help you see love from God's perspective, to take on his vision for our love stories. Now, if you haven't studied Genesis, let me just tell you about today's message. If you haven't studied Genesis, you might be surprised to find out that Adam actually sang a song to Eve when they first met. Now, here's my goal. My goal is to talk to you about God's love story with humanity, that through the good times and bad, God has been faithful to us more than we've been to him, and he showed us how much he loved us by sending his son, Jesus. I'm not here today just to give you principles that apply to your life, whether you're a Christian or not, but instead I want you to see that God's love story with us as humanity is the greatest love story ever told, and that stories like the story of Adam and Eve point us to the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said that in Luke 24. He said that everything written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms is written about me, and it must be fulfilled. And so the story of Adam and Eve, what it does is it creates attention for us, the need for a savior and for God to love us more than we love him. And that's what we're gonna see today. So if you wanna go ahead and jump with me into Genesis, we're gonna start in chapter two, and we're going to start at chapter two, verse 21. We're gonna listen to Adam singing his love song to Eve and uh, just prepare yourself doesn't sound that romantic in English, but here we go. It says, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, here's the song. This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, again, this doesn't sound very romantic in English. I mean, Adam was no Taylor Swift. You know what I'm saying? But you just imagine that in the original language, this was a lot more romantic, I guess. But what Adam was experiencing was God's vision. He had provided a helper. Now, let me just be clear. You shouldn't misunderstand that word helper to mean woman was created to serve man. But instead, ladies, you'll like this. Woman was created to complete what was lacking in man. And vice versa. We're meant to serve one another. God's image is divided between us. And when we come back together, husband and wife, we are able to bear God's image. Even our kids are a physical symbol of that spiritual reality. I mean, you look at Seth, Megs and I debate this all the time. There's a little bit of her. There's a little bit of me. Same with Charlie. You know, the way we like to say it about Seth is he's got mama's eyes and daddy's thighs right? But they're this physical symbol of a spiritual reality that God delegated to us. He shared with us the responsibility of creating life. And so God's vision for us is that we would be together, one, two would become one, and that we would be naked and unashamed in front of each other, that we would be ourselves, that we would be confident, there would be nothing hidden, and that we would enjoy an abundant life together, building a life together, building a family together. Those are the things that we see here. So what is God's vision? Well, it says it plainly in chapter two, verse 24, that a man will leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. 
And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. That's an important phrase to remember. Hold on to that today. But again, let's pause and let's just get one thing straight. The Bible is not filled with perfect love stories, including Adam and Eve's story. In fact, the whole Bible is telling the story of Israel's family history and ultimately how Israel failed to bear God's image. So God sent Jesus, Israel's Messiah and the savior of the world to be the image of God, to reveal to us the invisible God and show us the divine nature, who God is and who we are in a relationship with him. And so what we experience when we follow, right, the Savior that God has sent to the world to show us how much we love him is we experience the abundant life that he desires for us, that we live according to his teaching. And that includes with our love stories. And so when you look at Adam and Eve's story, you realize it's just as complicated as our love stories, right? They meet each other and they're all excited and they fall in love. They compromised later on what they believed was true and right. They experienced loss. They experienced tragedy. They experienced betrayal. They hide from one another. They avoid accountability. They blame someone else for their problems. They experience loss. They lose a child. And then they build a life together that we follow for numerous chapters. And, and their story is one of many stories. Israel's family history that points us to the need for a savior. And we're going to see today in their story that God makes a promise. He makes a promise in this love story that he would rebuild what Adam and Eve wrecked. And we see through, throughout scripture that there are these moments and events in their love stories. And it reminds us of our love stories that things can be wrecked by one decision, but they can also be rebuilt by one decision. The beginning of a rebuild can start by one key moment, one pivotal conversation, one moment where you turn to hope rather than despair. And my hope today, I guess, is that you'll be surprised how much you share with Adam and Eve. And in your mind, you may have thought of it as a childhood church tale, but something is redeemed in this story and you see similarities between yourself and them, characteristics that are just universal in humanity and the way that God loves them better than they loved him or even how they loved each other. So God designed them for each other and his vision for love and a relationship is what carried them through all of the events that they experienced throughout their life. This vision that Adam was singing about that he was experiencing when he first met Eve. And the writer of Genesis kind of takes us deeper in detail. Let's look at that together. When you go back to chapter one, you read verses 27 through 31. This is the way God put it together. He says, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is, in, that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw that he had everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, the sixth day. God saw everything that he had made and it was very good. So again, 
God's image is divided, male and female. When we come back together, we show that to others that when we follow God's vision for love, we experience this abundant life that's not only a blessing to us, but it's a blessing to others around us. And like I said, if you keep reading Genesis, you learn that the marriages described in the Bible are no fairy tale, but they serve as an example to us of what to avoid. They serve as a warning to us of what mistakes not to make and parts that we can aspire to, things that we can add to our relationships in our love story. What I love about the description there in Genesis 1, the description of very good, is it's the opposite of what God said about us being alone. He said, it is not good that man be alone, but it is very good that they would come together and build something together. That there is a God-sized potential between us when two become one and follow his vision for love. But what you'll notice about their story is that things change very fast, like they can in our relationships, where we experience what feels like paradise for a little while, but paradise quickly transforms. And then we find ourselves in some days, in some moments saying, how did we get here? How do we get out of here? What can we do? We don't want to stay this way. Or maybe things just grow silent and you don't even know what to say to make a plan to get from where you are to where you want to be. I want to show you what happened in their story. And I think it will serve as a warning and an inspiration to us of what we can avoid and what we can aspire to in our own stories. If you go to chapter three and you read verses eight through 13, this is what it says. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So what has happened? Well, if you read the preceding verses, you hear this story of the serpent, right? That Adam and Eve were supposed to have dominion over. That's what's being said here. But now they listen to him rather than listening to the word that God had given them. So they listen to the serpent and Eve and Adam see the tree as good. God says, don't touch it, but they see it one way. God sees it another way and they take it. And as a result of that, things change dramatically. And God, being so gracious and loving, he comes walking in the garden just like he did every day. And although he knew the answer to the question, he asks it so they could answer it for themselves. Where are you? To have a humble, honest moment. Where are you? Here's what we need to know. There will always be snakes in the garden. There will always be snakes in the garden. There will always be distractions. There will always be disruptions and frustrations. There will be other voices influencing our decision-making and sometimes even telling us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. If you look through the scripture, you see this contrast, this description of people's lives. Really in the list of kings, you see this clearly. It'll say this about one of David's descendants. It'll say, he did what was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Or it'll say, he did what was pleasing in his own eyes. And this is a reference back to Eve's story that Eve saw something as good that wasn't good. 
What God said was not good, she saw as good. But God still lovingly comes to them to teach them once again what is good. Now, if you want to see this from God's perspective and feel how frustrating this must be, think about whoever it is in your life right now that you're trying to convince something of that they're not listening to. You're trying to help them see it the way you see it. How hard that can be when you have someone that you love that's an intelligent, reasonable person, and for whatever reason, they just can't get on board with the thing that I know, and for whatever reason, they don't know. All the married couples are going. God wants us to see him, ourselves, and others the way he sees us and others, right? And But we have our own definition. We create our own definition, our own moral code. We decide what is right and wrong, what is good and evil, and we behave just like Adam and Eve did. We want to take it for ourselves and determine it for ourselves, redefine it for ourselves. But God graciously comes to us and asks us, where are you? Because they weren't only hiding from God, they were hiding from each other. Listen to what it says as we go on. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me, (laughs) she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Went from singing songs to shifting blame. All right. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. They go from united, divided, to divided, singing songs to silence, naked and unashamed, to hiding from God and hiding from each other. And for those of you who are here today who feel hopeless where you are in your love story, that you feel like I'm content in the misery, nothing can change it, I hope you really lean in now. I hope you see how quickly things change, what led to the change, how God responds to the change. But what happens in this moment is that God doesn't hide himself from them. Although they hide themselves from him, he doesn't hide himself from them. He comes walking right in the middle of their mess and is willing to mediate what has happened. To be right there in the middle of what has happened in their life, God has come together. And I need you just to entertain the idea once again that your relationship is not a mistake. That there is a God-sized potential between the two of you. And if you're beyond a relationship today and you're thinking, this isn't applicable for me because I'm not in a relationship, it didn't go the way I wanted, this is a moment for you to dial in And remember these things when you're ready to start again. But if you're in that moment, you're feeling that tension and you need God to come in and mediate your mess, this is a time to really listen in and once again, just believe, entertain the idea that there's a God-sized potential between you and there is something that you're called to build together that's greater than you can imagine. But again, how did they get there? Well, I just want to clarify it this morning. I want to show you a few things that I think, if you really pay attention, stand out to what they did to led from them, led to them to singing from singing songs to being in silence together. 
When we bear God's image together and we thrive, man, people know that Jesus is alive, right? I mean, our love on display to others shows people that God is real, he loves us, and we can trust him. And his vision for love and relationships is better than our vision for love and relationships. And when you know that there will always be a snake in the garden, you will be able to recognize the serpent's schemes when they come against you in your household, when they come against you in your relationships, when they come against you in the way you think about things. And what's interesting about this is when you look backwards and you look at the history that surrounded these events and even the writing of Genesis, you learn things about the cultures there, like in Mesopotamia, where someone was called a serpent if they're if they were a liar, if they weren't a trustworthy person because a serpent had a tongue that went two directions. You see these symbols that exist and we know in these ancient stories, we're learning things and it's why Jesus said to us that what happened in these stories ultimately points to me and the world's need for me. I am the fulfillment of all the things in these stories because what happens is they listen to the serpent, the snakes in their garden, and they believe lies that feel true. Number one. See, the enemy's not gonna tell you something that's obviously a lie. He's gonna tell you something that feels true. What Adam saw was pleasing in her sight, but not in God's, and she felt a certain way about it that was different from the way that God felt about it. And we have to take an inventory of our heart, wrestle with those things in our life, and rather than doing what we feel, question what we feel. And question what we feel through the counsel of God's word. Because by them doing or believing in what felt true, it caused them to compromise what they knew was right. They both made a decision, they both contributed to the moment, and because of it, it led them to hiding from each other and hiding from God, but lastly, avoiding accountability. So let me just ask you, what are the lies that you've believed that felt true? It's a lot easier to think about it in hindsight. Think about the ones from your past. Maybe that'll help you be more aware of the ones that you're listening to now in your present. And when you start thinking about that, you start asking yourself the question, okay, how have we compromised? How did we get to where we are? We were singing songs in paradise when we first started. This isn't where we planned to be. I mean, if you're in that moment today where you do feel hopeless, I don't imagine you started in this thinking that's where you would be now. And so you have to say to yourself, okay, when did we stop challenging each other? When did we stop holding each other to the standards that we both agreed upon in the beginning? And because we've done that, how long has it been since they have known who I really am? Because when you do what feels right rather than what you know is right and you begin to compromise on those standards that are expected of one another, you ultimately modify who you are in front of one another. Because if you're avoiding the conflict and you're avoiding the conversation that brings healing or, brings, or puts you back on the same page, you have to present a version of that person to your spouse, not the true person. And so you're living in the exact opposite of God's vision, naked and unashamed. You're hiding from him, hiding from each other. And so if you ask yourself, okay, well, what have I been hiding? What have I not been saying? What have I not been confronting? Or what have I not been dreaming about with this person? Because when you stop confronting and challenging, you stop dreaming. 
You stop thinking about the potential that's between you, the reason that God puts you together, what he's called you to build together and how it can not only be an abundant life for you, but how that abundant life can spill out of your life into the lives of others. And so when you ask yourself the question, okay, what needs to be said? How do we break the silence? What, I mean, what do we do? Well, that's something that all of us will have to do over this next month. We'll all have to ask each other and ask ourselves what's necessary. What's the next step? And we have to partner together. We have to help each other. We have to point each other in the right direction of what those next best steps are. But here's what you've got to know. There's, there is the possibility of a rebuild. In fact, you might be in that moment right now. You might be in the moment where the rebuild begins, where just like we've seen, one decision can wreck a family history, another decision can rebuild a family history or start the rebuild of a family history where we follow God's vision for love. And if we step into that, then we have to say, okay, how do I actually do that? I mean, I'm scared. I don't feel like I, I know what to do. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm ready to have that conversation. So, you know, how do I actually do it? And what's so clear from this story is what we need is we need God as our mediator in the middle of that conversation. Because it's not mistakes that have put us where we are. It is by definition sin that has put us where we are. Sin separates us from God and from each other. And this is how the love story of God's goodness just comes into our lives because when one flawed person marries another flawed person, it's not gonna create perfect harmony. But when we learn to love each other the way that Christ loves us, we can experience the power of grace and mercy between us. We can experience the power of God's vision for love in our lives and experience true abundance. Words like grace and mercy, they get so hollowed out when we hear them over and over in church and they almost become Christianese, right? It doesn't translate, but grace at its core is giving someone what they don't deserve and mercy is not giving them what they do. And when we practice that type of Christ love between us and we live out his vision between us, then we experience his love story. So if you wanna know the how of going from where you are to where you want to be, it's being a part of his love story. The way that you redeem your love story is by being a part of God's love story through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You learn to love each other the way that Christ has loved you. Christ teaches us to forgive each other the way we've been forgiven. He teaches us to treat others the way we want to be treated. Those two ideas alone transform the world when they're practiced. They transform the world when they're practiced. Amen. A couple of years ago, Megs and I were celebrating our 10th anniversary and we were talking about how powerful these ideas have been, that Jesus calls us to repentance, right? When we're becoming a part of his family and his story, he invites us to abandon our moral code, our definition of good and evil, and to accept his, live according to his. And when that's practiced between us, we experience grace and mercy in a powerful way. Because what you have to do to truly turn, which is what repent means, to turn from one thing to the other, is you have to admit and commit. Right? If you want to have that conversation, break that ice, break that silence, you have to go into that knowing that you're going to be required to admit and commit. 
Admit what you've done or not done and commit to begin doing it or no, no longer do it, right? So you can't just admit it. You can't just say, I'm sorry, I did wrong and not commit to doing what you should or no longer doing what you shouldn't. And you can't just commit and not address what you did that you shouldn't have done and didn't do that you should have. You have to do both. You have to admit and commit. This is what I did that I shouldn't have done. This is what I didn't do that I should have done. And it will be different going forward. And when I do that, I experience this grace and mercy because what you have to do is not hold the past against the other person. You can't hold the record of wrongs. You have to say today is a new day. Grace and mercy is made new today. We can't do anything about what we've already done to each other, but we can do something about what we do from today forward. We can live according to his vision for love rather than our own. And that grace to us through Jesus and that grace through us from Jesus is the thing that ultimately transforms our world and transforms our lives, including our love story. So we have to respond today to all of this and prepare ourselves for everything we're gonna learn this next month by deciding to live according to God's vision of love, to stop believing lies, stop compromising what we agree together is true, avoid, avoiding accountability, hiding from each other, hiding from God. And here's what we're gonna do today to end this message. We're gonna pray. So there's two things that you can do. You can pray together where you are. You can pray as you are where you are. Or you can come here to the front in this last song to pray. We're gonna have people here on our prayer team ready to pray with you. And let's be real. Not all of our situations are the same. Not everyone will need to take the same steps next. But we're here to partner with you. We have amazing organizations that we've partnered with in the past that we can direct you to, right? Ministries like the Barnabas House, right? We have people in our community who have made themselves available to couples that are ready to break the silence, to no longer stay where they are and to live in God's vision of love, right? And we can direct you to those people. We can help you find the help you're looking for. But we as a church family can be here to remind you and encourage you and encourage each other to stand on God's word and to live according to his vision. And the thing that I've come to realize about Megan and I's life that we have together is that without his strength, I couldn't do it because I don't feel the way I want to feel every day. But as I've learned to lead my heart rather than follow my heart, I've learned to do what I know is right, to lead my family, lead my household, admit when I'm wrong, admit when I've missed the mark and be humble asking for input on how I can be better. Then I discover this life of freedom where I'm not hiding myself from my spouse, the person I'm in a relationship with, my family, but we're naked and unashamed, experiencing God's vision for love. And so my hope today is that you'll hear the gospel message, that the way this is rebuilt is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that although these childhood church tales may have felt foreign to you, 
before today that now you can see similarities between yourself and them and you can find a connection to the behavior that they displayed and the behavior you've seen in your own love story. And you can also follow their lead in walking forward, taking steps forward. Because one of my favorite parts of their story is the moment where God shows them grace. The reason why Jesus said all these stories are about me and they are fulfilled in me. Adam and Eve's best idea to cover their shame was to sew fig leaves together to pick up something that would wither and die and have to be replaced over and over and over. But you know what God did? He made a sacrifice. He fashioned furs, the shedding of innocent blood, and he covered them and gave them a direction for the future. And he made a promise there that day. He said, the descendant of this woman will crush the head of this serpent. He will strike his heel, but the descendant of this couple will crush his head. The power of sin and death will be broken off of humanity and we will experience an abundant life in Christ. Come on, let's pray. Father, we need your help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need new hearts, renewed minds. We need all these promises that are spoken in scripture, the things that we receive, this new life in Christ. We want that to begin today in our relationships, in our love stories. We wanna live according to this vision of love that you laid out from the very beginning. We see clearly now how quickly we can drift away from that vision, but how lovingly you don't hide yourself from us. Although we may hide ourselves from you, you have not hidden yourself from us, but you have shown us who you are through Jesus Christ and through a relationship with him, our love story can be redeemed. So we ask that you will teach us these things. Teach us to live this new life that you've given to us and begin today. In Jesus' name.